This is Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose on 101.9 High FM. Well, good morning. Welcome to Tech Talk right here on High FM. And we've got quite a show for you today. I was at the launch of the Galaxy Note 10 last night. And let me tell you, this is quite a significant flagship from Samsung. And in fact, the show is going to be a little dominated by Samsung because they've got a lot of new products, a lot of interesting stuff. Um, that is being that was announced at the launch, and some really clever integration with Microsoft. But I'm not going to steal the thunder. We've got Justin Hume, who's who I recorded a brilliant session with, and he's going to be talking to me at 20 past in the Tech Talk Cafe segment. Stay tuned for that. But before we get to that, I mentioned on Tuesday some that really got everyone most excited. <laughs> what it's all about is two things. One. Criminals have been able to steal your airtime and hijack your mobile number. And the reason why they would want to do that is really very, very simple. Hijacking your mobile number is the way that 90% of banks secure access to your account via your, both your online and uh, mobile devices. So you get an SMS, you respond to the SMS one way or the other, and the one-time pins that arrive are used to do all the sorts of banking. Well, unfortunately, the South African Banking Association released some information that there's been around about 75.3% increase, or well, not roundabout, that's what they say, 75.3% increase in online and mobile banking fraud. And over 263 million rand was to- stolen from over 23,000 South Africans after their mobile phone numbers were hijacked and their banking details compromised. Now, unfortunately, how this works is very simple. There's collusion, and collusion, anyone will tell you, is the hardest form of fraud to protect yourself against. Somebody at the mobile network, or somebody at the bank, I think that's probably how it initiates. Someone at the bank sees an account that they they get all the details on, and through various means, they get your PIN, they get your account number, they get your logon details, but without your one-time PIN that's sent to a mobile phone, pretty much useless all that information. They could use it for some things, but it's really difficult to use unless they've got that last piece of the puzzle, which is a mobile phone number. Now, the the one wrinkle in mobile phone SIM swaps and um, porting in this country, unfortunately, is that it's a fully uh, negative type Setup. So in other words, if you initiate a port, or even if you don't and it's done fraudulently on your, your mobile number, the network will send you an SMS saying a port has been initiated on your number either to another network or a SIM swap has been initiated on your phone, on your SIM, um, and will be occurring shortly. If you don't opt out of that and immediately they say, SMS 1 to agree or SMS 2 not to agree, if you do nothing, you may as well have agreed and the SIMSOP or the port will go ahead. So I know a lot of people feel that at night it's time to switch off their phones and really not have them around and digital detox has become quite the thing. The problem with that is that that is when the uh, so-called mobile thieves are going to get going and you may well wake up in the morning with no money in your bank and your phone's not even working because they've either swapped to another network or they've done a SIM swap and that SIM no longer and your SIM is no longer active. So do not ignore SMSs. If you get a message from your mobile network saying a SIM swap's been initiated or a port has been initiated, really very, very important that you immediately contact your network and tell them this is not you unless it was. Um, and please do not do any of those things under any circumstances. That's the first thing. The, the next and most problematic thing about all this is that the networks themselves are trying their best to stop this. But again, collusion is almost impossible. But one of the other ways, and this is what's really, really interesting, is that Most of us, at some point in time, have received an SMS, received an MMS, or something's arrived on our phone, which we've clicked on or or opened or looked at, 
And there are a couple of rogue wireless network providers, or wireless application service providers. They're called WASPs, and they truly are WASPs because they can sting you somewhat. And they will bill your cellular su- subscriber account pretty much without your permission. Now, the networks are implementing new measures to try to fight this type of payload billing. The criminals are actually, unfortunately, also finding new ways to buy- bypass these um, these measures. And really... I believe that billions in airtime has been stolen from mobile mobile subscribers. So your airtime just disappears nine times out of ten. It's not the mobile network itself that's stealing your airtime. It could very well be a WASP, a service, a something that you signed up for five rand a day. It sounded interesting. When uh, get get five hundred free megabytes of data if you just click one, without reading the fine print that says. Oh, and there will be a five rand charge per day thereafter after you get the initial one megabyte of data. So generally, this is a terrible thing to do to click on any message and to get anything free that's sent to you via SMS. But there is something you can do about it. You can check with all the networks um, to see if, in fact, that you you have been signed up for any of these rogue WASP-type um, setups. And the best thing is for Vodacom subscribers, and I'm, this will be posted on the the, the um, website of FM, so you can pick this up a little bit later, or you can just listen to the podcast again and again and again. But anyway, if you're a Vodacom subscriber, all you need to do is to SMS STOP ALL in capitals to 31050. If you are subscribed to any of these services, they will all be stopped immediately. So SMS STOP ALL in caps to 31050. What you can also do is dial star triple one hash. Um, It's a USSD menu and select option services. Look for the option. It's either eight. Some people call it 12. I've seen it as 12. I saw it as eight. Click on services or, or, or select option eight. Then select another option which says content services. It may be nine, but it could be another Another number, but just read if it says content services and then select option two to stop all services. Another way you can stop all content services on Vodacom is to dial star 117 hash, select option 11 or next, and then select unsubscribe. And that should, uh, the message which you'll get thereafter should tell you that you've been, if you've been subscribed to any WASP services, uh, without your knowledge. MTN also make it pretty easy. You just need to dial star 1415 hash, and I'll repeat that, star 1415 hash, and select content services once again, and then just follow the prompt. You can stop all WASP content services by selecting option one, manage content services, and then select option two, manage premium re- um, rated services. You can also dial star 136 star 5 hash and select option 2 which is content services and then follow the prompts that will take you through manage premium rated services then another option PRS charges and then say block PRS charges you can use this USSD string below to manage all your premium content so you can also dial this is MTN again star 464 star 970 hash I'll repeat that, star 464, star 970 hash. And that should clear pretty much absolutely everything on your on your um, account. And it's just fascinating how many people who've tried this have said that they've actually found a numerous amount of, of services they didn't even realize were taking money out of their account. Celsi really make it easy. All you have to do for Celsi subscribers is dial star 133, one, sorry, star one three three star one hash, and just follow the prompts to clear all your wasp billings. And you should do this every now and then. I've done it regularly every couple of months, and once or twice I've actually found out somehow, and I have no idea how I was subscribed to certain of these wasps type services. So watch your airtime, watch what's going on, and do not ignore. Uh, messages that you get from the mobile network. I know a lot of people are a bit scared to respond to these things, but always respond in the negative. Always stop these type of things happening. But the whole 
theft of money from a bank account doesn't happen simply because they've cloned your your um, your cell phone number. There's a lot more to that besides. So be very, very vigilant with your bank cards. Be Never give your PIN to anybody for any reason. doesn't matter what the story is. You do not give them the PIN. No bank, no provider will ever ask you for your, your account number and your PIN. And once they've got that, if they know someone at the mobile networks, they can really try over a weekend, on a Sunday, do a SIM swap, and the next thing you know, you've got no money in your bank. So watch the space really carefully. I think it's it's something that you should be really vigilant about, and hope um, you'll be able to get rid of the people stealing your airtime, number one. And number two, um, you can stop SIM swaps and look after your money. Before we go to the break, I've just got one other fabulous new app that came across my desk. I was very, very impressed with what it does. There's a new thing called Who You. And what, and what who, who you does, not easy to say, but it's easy to read. It verifies the identity of South Africans from directly from your smartphone. So essentially, um, you can download this app on an Android phone for now and on Windows. Um, and it's coming for iOS, they say, very, very shortly. But what it does is you can compare the photos of a person's two thumbprints. So you just need to take someone... Let take pictures of their of their thumbprints to the National Population Register, which is maintained by the Department of Home Affairs. It then returns a confirmation of the person's identity details along with their photo. So if and how this would work brilliantly for small businesses. If you want to sell something on credit, you want to verify someone's identity, you want to sell something and they want to give you you know, you're just not comfortable with the transaction. There's a credit card. There's something going on. Whatever the case may be, um, you can use this app to absolutely verify the identity. And retailers who want to open accounts for for customers, insurances, insurers handling claims, and you know, a lot of places would really like to identify the people because the amount of fraud, the amount of fraudulent ID books out there are, are, are really, it's really got pretty much out of hand. And up to now, this has not been um, available to anyone other than the big banks. It's totally uh, compliant with South Africans' Protection of Personal Information Act, and it really um, keeps the information totally secure and always lets you know who's going where and what's doing what and what's going on. So I think it's just a brilliant, brilliant um, way that you can... You can verify people's identity and uh, allows you to be sure that who you're dealing with is, in fact, who you're dealing with. Now, we'll be back straight after this. And as I said, I was at the launch of the new Galaxy Note 10 last night. It is a pretty impressive device. And I've got Justin Hume. I recorded this before the, the event just to make sure that we got all the latest information. Um, but he's going to tell us all about the Galaxy Note 10 straight after this. This is Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose on 101.9 High FM. Well, good morning and welcome to Tech Talk Cafe right here on High FM. And I have a really special, special edition. Joining me on the, the line, more or less, not in studio, unfortunately, is Justin Hume. Justin... Welcome and uh, big night last night, wasn't it? Rather, we we saw the launch of the Galaxy Note 10. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, um, massive uh, massive night for us. Um, really pleased with uh, how things have gone. It's uh, it's the launch of the, the Galaxy Note 10 and uh, 10 Plus. So I think that's the first thing that. Uh, so that it's official. As the rumours were right, there are two devices. There out are there. two devices, and I think um, you know that that's a departure for those who followed Note of the generation. Was okay. always the biggest, the best phone that Samsung made, and now you've spawned a little brother. Correct. Um, <laughs> uh, but you know, you, you picked up on a good topic there. Is that it's always been the leader of the new technology. It's been the uh, the beast of the device. Effectively, it's had the most powerful processors. It's had the best cameras. It's had. Yeah, you know, it's always bigger well, and best. The truth was, it was the biggest screen. I mean, when you guys originally brought out the Note, everyone said, "Are you nuts? What are you going to do with this thing?" You, you know, there was a. I mean, to think back when we launched Note One, it was a five-point-four-inch screen, and um, guys, uh, um, you know, already there were. Say, 
Well, at that stage, I mean, a four-inch screen was like real estate. Correct. <laughs> and we were going, everybody was going on the slimmer, lighter type, type of thing. Um, and today, how we are, it's a screen. It is. Um so yeah. So break that down a little. There are two notes. Correct. There's. I'm not going to steal your thunder. This is your show. But there are two notes available now. Give me a little bit of detail. Give our listeners a bit of detail on that. Well, two notes, and effectively, the, the main th- differentiation is in screen size. So we've got a 6.3-inch screen uh, for the, uh, the the smaller note, and then the larger 6.8-inch for the uh, uh, on the larger note, the Note Plus, uh, effectively. So there's a Note Plus and a Note. Correct. Okay. Yes. Now, but the advantage is because we've literally gone, uh, and I probably can't show it to you visually here now, but. Um, I'll beam some pictures over there or something. But it'll be all over the internet and everywhere, so you can check it out if you're keen. So go online and The 6.8 inch is actually only marginally bigger than the old Note 9. Correct. And the reason for that is we're over 90% of the screen to body ratio. But what that means is basically when you look at the device, it is edge-to-edge screen. Now, the bezel is almost completely gone or invisible. And I can tell you that when you um, pick it up and hold it, it's ridiculous. It's all screen. Correct. You're looking at a screen. Correct. 100%. So that's the, the massive advantage. So because in the past you had to have space for the sensors, for the microphones and the like. In fact, we've, we've gone with even more microphones. We've now got three microphones. Yeah, we'll talk device. about that later. There's um, quite a clever little feature yeah, it's got. 100%. And, um, but you know, but Bringing these things on board, we haven't uh, impacted the the screen release really state that you got. So now, when you want to watch that movie, when you want to watch uh, view that picture, the video, whatever it might be, uh, you're seeing it in full screen. Splendor. And it's only the only sort of I wouldn't call it mark, but the only thing is a small camera dead center, which I quite like. It sort of yeah. gets my OCDness. It's central. It's not to the left or the right. There's a little camera notch, in, not a notch, a cutout in Correct. the middle of the screen. So, in fact, um, with no disrespect to our competitors, mm. we, we don't have the notch because that, for us, is an intrusion into the space. This is a pinhole for the camera, and we're the only manufacturer right now. We're quite proud of the Infinity O technology that we use behind that. We're literally... We print the screen, we punch the hole, and then we pack individual pixels around that so that there's no loss of um, screen resolution uh, or display around the camera. And, and again, these screens are the highest grade possible screen you can get. I mean, from what I've seen, there's no better screen on a device on the market currently. Well, no, there isn't. Uh, and I think that's, you know, Samsung's legacy is far broader than phones only. We make the best panels in the world, uh, televisions and the like. And uh, we, we have the dynamic AMOLED screen. So we're up from super AMOLED, but uh, let's, um, without getting too technical. But I think the key point behind that is we're bringing TV-based technology into the mobile phone. So we talk about a product called HDR+. Plus. Uh, all the movie studios are moving in that direction. And what that means is where you've got color uh, that would normally be displayed. So let's assume that a scene is mainly a, a, a brown landscape scene. That would be the color palette that would kind of blend and across sort of become everything. blurry and, and, and monochromatic in a way. Yes, on most other screens. Yeah. Here, each part of the screen, the color is individually controlled. So we can literally bring out the brightest of blues and the brownest of browns and the whitest of whites. So, so the picture is a like. lot more real, a lot more dynamic. Correct. For want it's of a better rich, word. it's color, it's vibrancy and whatever. So, um, yeah, and let, let's be honest, these days, how many of us are not watching the likes of Netflix on our um, mobile devices. Well, as the kids play more and more games on the main TV, they kick you out. <laughs> so having a good yeah. second screen doesn't hurt. Exactly. Uh, and, you know, talking about that, I mean, uh, the craze of Fortnite these days and, uh, you know, um, uh, all these uh, uh, you know, first-person shooter games and the like that are coming through. You need this kind of capacity. And, and but you guys that. mentioned something really interesting. You've done some real interesting research around why and what and how people use the Note series. And that's led to two devices, number one. But also some interesting insights around gaming and what people actually do on their phones. Well, let's let's start first and foremost is that um, we we talk about this uh, new work tribe. And and, and it's, uh, you know, we can talk about different segments of markets and all these things. But let's think about our own practical lives these days. You know, we're not confined to the office 24-7 any longer. We're not confined to our PC. 
and like so. The, the, yeah, the old story of getting back to the office to correct. do something doesn't it's doesn't fly. And dust it. Yeah, yeah and, and a fascinating stat from some of the research that we did. Um, I'm going to use U.S. market mm. first, mm. but um, you know what the U.S. has arguably what 350, 400 million people. Uh, in it, if I recall. But uh, 105 odd million of those are, st- are in this generation now that are saying, I want the flexibility of being able to work or play or have my entertainment irrespective of where, where I am. But 85% of those then believe that in order to do that, they need the very latest in technology because it's an enabler of that lifestyle that they're looking for. So, this is what Node is designed to, to do. And uh, again, what's fascinating about that market, I'm talking about the young mm. professionals, mm. the 20, 30-somethings in the market. The so-called um, millennial generation. Millennial generation. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's kind of been spoken about uh, <laughs> extensively. Yeah. But um, they, there's productivity that they're looking for, but they're not afra- ashamed or afraid or, or to say, gaming is important to me. I play games. I host videos. Um, I create videos. Yeah, that was the other thing they found, that video was actually more important than still photography in some ways. Well, still photography, think about applications like, um, or platforms like TikTok, even Instagram these days. Yes, we've got the still photography portion of it, but video is now the the true progression of that. Um, Selfies, static selfies are becoming video-based in in that regard. So we want to start sharing the life around us now one, from the compression of the, the technology and the data, but also the fact that data is becoming so much more readily available, the speed of the data and the like, and now we're moving into this 5G era, which is completely <laughs> we'll talk, If we get time, we'll mention that later. But. Yeah. Uh, so now you need to move on a phone that's not just got a great, let's, you know, the good old notion of a, a good megapixel uh, quality camera. You need a phone that's at the heart of it, a video camera. So the two key things, I mean, obviously the Note, the, the, the key features of the Note, big screen, superpower, S Pen, of course. Yes. Uh, let's talk about the S Pen quickly, because the S Pen's gained a little bit of uh, uh, smartness as well. It's got even better than before. What, what's changed with the S Pen? Well, I mean, first and foremost, if, uh, a note, if you go and ask any a Note user, um, and they, they are most loyal fans, I must say, um, they will talk about, yes, the big screen and the S Pen. So S Pen started out as effectively a stylus, writing on the screen and creating notes. Then last year with the, the Note 9, we introduced the fact that uh, S Pen was Bluetooth enabled. So now I could stand, put my phone on a tripod or against something, could stand some distance away, click on the remote on the... It definitely helped me. What yeah. I did is you could do better selfies. So you could hold the phone right and then use the S Pen to take pictures. Just click and go. So, yeah. And now what we've done is we've not only got the Bluetooth technology in it, in this tiny little pen, uh, we've built in a gyroscope. Now what that means is... <laughs> love to see the tech in there. I mean, the S Pen has actually shrunk in size over the last okay. couple of years. Yeah. And this one's pretty pretty neat and small. And it's got a gyroscope as well. Correct. It's got a gyroscope. And better battery life, I heard. Yes, and and it takes a few seconds to even charge it. Well, it charges as soon as you plug it into the phone. Um, but now what does a gyroscope do? So first and foremost, I can be doing a presentation with my note. My note's on the table, plugged, uh, linking up to one of the central monitors perhaps or something like that. And I can use the, uh, the S Pen like one of those um, PowerPoint kind of clickers that you get mm-hmm. going forward. But I don't simply push the button. If I flick my wrist with the S Pen forward, I move to the next slide. I flick back, we go back. Um, I flick up and the volume can increase. Flick down, the volume decreases. But <laughs> so it's a magic a, wand. Correct. And, and if I'm taking a picture, if I simply uh, turn the, the S Pen around, like sort of in my wrist, like create a circle with it, I zoom in. If I take the S Pen and go counterclockwise, I, I zoom out in that regard. But now it's we're opening so up the, cool. the applications to developers. And, you know, you can think about it here. We can have games on the S Pen like well, if fishing. you think about that you, you've got the this is I know there's yes. too many things to talk about sure. but now you've got Dex built in Correct. so you can actually plug your phone directly you don't need any boxes or adapters you can plug it into a big screen pull out the S Pen play a game wave it around like a wand the, the uses are pretty endless it is I think it's really limited only by our imagination at this point so it's become much more than simply a stylus obviously writing on the screen you've improved that slightly it, it's definitely has a better feel and it's very natural when you're writing or drawing but all these other little innovations are making it much more of a useful tool than simply a pen let's let's keep thinking about the pen side of it right so in the past I would write with my S Pen
10. And um, then I would uh, select the text. I would then say convert it into actual, like a, a, a PC type, you know, formal text based environment. And then I would save it as a PDF file or, or the like, and then send it to my computer to keep my notes. Now, literally what I do is if I'm making a grocery list on my phone and I write a, so a heading of grocery list and then I put an indent or a checkbox or what have you and say pick up the milk or and then pick up uh, meat, whatever it might be, and I write it in my normal handwriting, all I have to do now is with my finger is just tap the screen. It immediately selects the text and it will convert or selects my handwriting and converts it to text immediately no middle steps simple quick and easy and then I can export it in something like a Microsoft Word format or PDF or uh, Excel whatever it might be so it's when I think about it in that context is that means I can be sitting having a meeting with you taking down my notes by the time I'm back at the office it's already already on my PC it's done it's uh, it's locked away and that brings us to the the next most important thing that impressed me this is clearly aimed at high-end users, business, creatives, obviously the whole new talk, everyone's yes. now multitasking and whatnot. But it's de- the integration with the computer tech ecosystem has taken a significant step. You guys also announced a, a, co- a collaboration with Office 365 that would actually make it even more useful. Give us a little bit of detail around that. Well, what we call it mobile continuity, and basically we see a, a seamless world between the phone and your PC, uh, Microsoft-based PC environment. And Microsoft own the business environment. There's just no question. 100%. You know, I think, um, so where Dext is a solution between the PC and the phone for moving files alike. We'll talk about that in a few secs because that's quite a big change as well in yes. Dex. It's like Dex 2. <laughs> but, but, uh, but back to Microsoft, Microsoft and what you're doing with that stuff. So I, th- I think um, in that regard there with Microsoft, it, it creates that seamless ecosystem. And I think we've got to realize that, you know, in the past we were saying the phone must almost replace the laptop as an idea, or the tablet was replacing the laptop, or the phone was replacing the tablet. But we actually understand that these different platforms are required in different environments. So the trick now is, well, how do we make them work all together? That's brilliant. There's always been that promise of seamless everything, and yet it's always been, you know, everyone's got a bag full of gadgets. Now you pretty much fixing that. Correct. Now you can take the phone to the business meeting, but make sure that whatever happened on the phone is happening back at the office on your on your PC or laptop. And that's that's really where we've gone to with, with the device. But secondly, sometimes my phone's a little bit away from my desk and I'm busy on my laptop and the phone's ringing. Well, all I do is I answer the call using my PC now um, and it's picking up from my phone. So my phone's the conduit, but I don't have to pick up my phone. I don't have to interrupt what I'm doing. On, on your PC. PC. Uh, and then it often happens. You just leave it, happen to leave it in your jacket, which is somewhere else, or your bag, and now it seamlessly links to your phone and you can answer calls and do everything on the phone. 100%. And um, Sorry, on the phone via your desktop. Via your desktop and that. So I, I think the point, you know, well, where we're going to, and then we obviously have our wearable technologies, which means that, uh, you know, uh, we head off to the gym. Now I don't even need my phone with me. I'm simply uh, taking... Uh, my mobility into these locations. So it's really, it's a device that is fit for purpose at that point. That's really, really interesting. So essentially the phone just becomes a seamless extension of your entire work flow, life flow, whatever you want to do. And this is, a, again, a promise. I'm going to put it to the test in a little while. But <laughs> but yeah. it's it certainly, it's something that... I've tried on various other levels, but this is just baked in. So it's, you've got Outlook on your phone, you've got Outlook on your PC, it totally integrates WhatsApps, messages, pictures, and drag and drop of files. Correct. Yes. So if you've got a file for whatever reasons on your phone, you just go to your PC, don't do anything, and just drag it across. So it's as it's, it's easy as that. Let's assume I'm working on my PC, but I want to take a picture of my office environment. As I'm taking it on... On my phone, it's going to be popped up into my into my PC at the same time, and uh, we'd be good from that. But um, and that would definitely talk to the guys who are are looking at a high end, top end type device. Correct, definitely. And uh, you know, one of the things was taking it one step further, um, uh, maybe away from the Microsoft component. But you know, again, that phone, uh, the ecosystem that we speak about frequently. I take my phone with me now. I don't need my PC. Uh, I don't need necessarily my tablet. We could, well, I just, you know, I'm going to need your wallet. It will have Samsung Pay. 
you things like that. Samsung Pay, <coughs> interoperable there, tap and go, and um, you know we we really making it fit within your lifestyle. And the, the Dex, let's chat a little bit about Dex. I mean, it is an operating system. It's a complete PC operating system that can run on your your phone. But the trick that you showed, which really impressed me, is you now plug using a standard cable standard into your cable. PC, Correct. and the DeX operating system pops up there. You've got a screen and keyboard, but all the smarts are now sitting on your phone. Where do you see that making sense? In what type of environment would that really play? Because you've got a PC with a yes. PC operating system. Why would you want to do the two together? So let's think about it this way. Is that um, In certain instances, I have the ability to take a Microsoft Excel spreadsheet on my mobile device, right? Which is great, but the screen size and the format of a mobile device is not best for doing spreadsheets. They're great for reviewing spreadsheets and like that. Maybe operating on spreadsheets, it's easier to do it on a PC. But now my information's on my phone and I want to keep it there because I want the mobility of that. Now, all I do, I, wherever I go, I simply take my phone with my Dex cable. And that'll work on on PCs that, are, that for whatever reason, are not connected to your data. I think that's exactly, exactly what you're saying. 100%. So in the past, Dex allowed me to, to link to any screen, okay? So I could go up to a large monitor in a, in a boardroom, and I could plug in, and I could have the screen. But I still needed a separate, for example, keyboard, keyboard and mouse and, mouse and whatever. Mouse. Now I can plug it into my laptop, as an example, and use that keyboard and mouse to drive something that is effectively on my phone. So think of the phone in that case as being my hard drive. So fully functional fully operating functional. hard drive with all your data. So again, it's it's um, in, in the mobile continuity example with with Microsoft. I'm doing something on PC wirelessly integrated across my other Samsung devices that we have. Dex, I've got something on my mobile device, but I'm wanting the uh, ability to operate it in as, my as PC a PC type mode. Um, and that's what it allows me to do. And now simply I take my standard uh, either HDMI cable or my normal USB cable that's with my charger, plug it in, and uh, we're good to go. And as I said, 20 minutes just flies when you start talking tech here. Yeah. So give us a quick roundup of the, the special features on the new Note series, and uh, then we'll find out the, the price, which I'm sure is going to be exciting as well. So give us some features that really stand out that make the Note what it is. So without doubt, screen size, massive uh, screen real estate. The S Pen, um, those are the two that, that simply we, we, we can't be And it's thinner and lighter and got a bigger battery. Than the previous one. But earlier on, I referenced the fact that we've got three microphones on board. The one feature that I'm absolutely loving yeah, yeah. is what we call audio zoom. So, in the past, let's assume we're sitting in a room of a number of people, but I'm at some distance from you there and I'm filming you with my video. And the voice is it's kind of it's muffled, I can hear that it's far away, so it's quite soft and the like. Literally, as I zoom in on you, with the normal camera, as I with a camera, you, yeah. camera, and you're talking, or there's music in that. The sound is zoomed in on at the same it's time. It's like as proper well. pro stuff. You know, as you zoom, you see the microphone moving. Exactly. So this is tech, uh, tech wizardry to get the mic to move. 100%. So uh, audio zoom for me is is an absolute fantastic. Option. You know what? The use of that again. You're talking creators. You take pictures of events. You take pictures of things, and you've got noise around you. This focuses from the demo we saw, yes. it clearly focuses the sound and the picture on what you want, which is so brilliant. I have to be standing right next to you to get that audio quality. I've got a directional mic that allows me to pick up on, hey, I'm focusing on Stephen right now. So I that up on there. <laughs> and it is. But you reference creativity, and um, what's brilliant about this is we have the video editing capability on device using S Pen again, uh -huh. drag and drop stuff. So think about it, as I said before, it's no longer about static images. You want to be able to go out there, film that event with the audio, but create your Produce own Produce the whole thing instantly, instantly, upload it, do whatever you need to do. So, you know, you can do it on In device. In 4K, of In course. In 4K. Okay. <laughs> and even better then, look at it on the Samsung TV screen. It's <laughs> too many uh, things. Now, I'm sorry, Justin, we have run out of time. But these devices are available when? They'll be on shelf from the end of August. 
uh, effectively, and we've got some great uh, pre-order uh, deals, deals the different package kind of deals, and whatnot. Yeah, and um, and the pricing of the two devices. Let's let's let that out. Well, I don't talk about it as being a price. I talk about it as the incredible value that you are getting. No, of course you don't. No, fair enough. So um, we're looking at a tariff position starting from around about uh, with the uh, the Note 10 around about 800 rand per month. Okay, which is your mobile tariff. And correct, depending on the various packages. Um, yeah, but again, your mobile operators and uh, the associated retail stores have got. Um, each has got their, their great value uh, that they're offering to, to customers right Brilliant. now. So, and retail, they'll be really relatively high priced, but in the range of other competitive devices. Correct. So we're looking at a range somewhere between about uh, 18,000 Rand through to about 25,000 One thing you, that we didn't mention, these devices are coming with 256 gig of RAM Correct. and between 8 and 12 gigs of of memory for operating. So they're right on the edge of what you can do. Well, exactly. And I think the other part about that is... And that's um, better than most computers, to be blunt. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And, um, you, you know, you've still got the cloud storage capabilities, the OneDrive with Microsoft, uh, Dropbox, those kind of things are all, um, well, you can... Part of the, the ecosystem, yeah. And, uh, but the last thing I just want to comment mm. on is we've revolutionized the processor that's on board. We're going... For to a 7 nanometer chipset. but um, There's true geek stuff, it, yes. It is, but it means that you use far less battery to get even more powerful results. It means that the graphic processing uh, capability of the device is taken to... So this level. literally is a supercomputer in a super compact form. It is, and why are we actually taking it from the notion of being... we we actually calling it apart from being... It's not a smartphone, it's a power phone. <laughs> there we go. There's the tagline. Well... Thank you so much for joining us and uh, all this information, and good luck with the power phone. Thank you very much. This is Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose on 101.9 High FM. Well, welcome back, and that was a fascinating conversation with Justin Hume from Samsung, and so much more could have been said. The evening last night uh, at the launch was pretty um, significant, so many different use cases for the Galaxy Note 10 series. And there's just no question that Samsung have taken the fight to be number one smartphone manufacturer in the world super seriously. Of late, Huawei have grown enormously and globally are now number two. And this is, as I've always maintained, you know, the, the competition is the key to driving people to really develop and really polish their act. And there's no question that Samsung have come to the table, have brought out the most remarkable range of devices from their inexpensive A-series all the way through the S10 to the um, Note series. And just to make the mix a little bit more exciting, last night they also announced a brand new um, computer that will work seamlessly in collaboration with Qualcomm and with um, Microsoft that will work seamlessly with the new Note series and, I would assume, any of the other Samsung series. So stay tuned. Many more things coming from Samsung, but I think a, a really special effort. Spend some time playing with the phones. We'll obviously get one for review, for a full-time review, but significant, significant steps in making the phone part of your entire workflow, workday, creative life, you name it. So, uh, well done. I think that's quite a big, big deal in the high end. The price is not so cheap, 18999 to 22999 But essentially, you're getting computer-grade storage, computer-grade memory, and uh, power that's equivalent of many computers out there. So, the whole idea of having a computer in your hand is a seriously, seriously significant one. Now, no gadget of the day to this week, unfortunately. It's been, as, I, as I've mentioned before, June, July, August are the slow months in the tech world. It all starts happening again in September, obviously with the launch of the new Apple iPhone and many other launches. But, and uh, IFA, where a lot of new consumer tech gets shown to the public and gets ready for the 
the holiday period in Europe and globally around the world. So I just want to update um, a discussion I had, which I had a lot of really good feedback. A lot of people were quite interested in the whole story of the spectrum in South Africa, the rise of 5G. Obviously, 5G was mentioned many times last night by Samsung. There is a 5G version of the S10 already on sale in the Galaxy S10 already on sale in the US. And the Note 10 series will definitely have a 5G variant and probably will also go on sale in 5G areas. Unfortunately, 5G in South Africa has been delayed even further. The government did, as promised, release their spectrum um, allocation advice, and it wasn't actual spectrum allocation that we all expected. We thought they would finally instruct ICASA to allocate certain spectrum to certain areas or at least announce a spectrum auction with regard to what should be done for the various networks. Well, unfortunately, true to what they actually told us they were going to do, and we all hoped that they wouldn't do, and my sense is very simple. The two, or not the two, the, the one huge success within the commercial um, field in South Africa has been telecommunications between MTN, Celsi, even Telcom Mobile, which is a government-owned company, and Celsi. They have brought mobile communications to 95% of South Africans. In fact, probably more, closer to 100% of South Africans over the past few years. And South Africa was number one, or almost right on top with digital 2G when it came out back in the 90s. We were first with 3G on the continent and pretty much in line with everywhere in the world. The same happened with 4G globally. We were some, one of the first one of the first in Africa, one of the fastest in Africa. And unfortunately, I don't think that the same thing is going to happen with 5G. There is a 5G network up and running between um, with RAIN. They've got enough spectrum, and they are definitely launching a 5G network in the next couple of months. But it's not a mobile network. It's a fixed mobile network. So it's essentially a replacement for copper and fiber by using radio waves. Telcom are doing the same thing now, so you can't really call it a mobile network. Though the rumor is that 5G phones will work on that network, the problem is that you can't go walking around with uh, your 5G phone and hope to make a seamless phone call. One, normal phone calls are not allowed, but WhatsApp calls will drop because when you go from tower to tower, there's no handover and your your connection will be shut down until it acquires the connection on the next tower, which is not quite what we have come to expect from mobile. Anyway, the government announced the allocation and the WAN, which is a wide area sort of group network, will has been confirmed and certain allocation in the various um, spectrum areas has been guaranteed for the WAN. In fact, ICASA have been advised to first allocate to the WAN and then to allocate to the others. They also made a big play that there are 400 um, licenses available, and those 400 licenses should get some way of becoming involved in the mobile industry. And it is quite simple. Nowhere in the world has a plan like this worked in any way, shape, or form. Mobile communications is a scale business. It costs hundreds of thousands of dollars to put up one tower. It costs millions upon tens of millions to connect all these things. And apart from simply running these towers and setting up mobile networks, you've got to set up so much infrastructure to maintain, to grow, to build, to build, to service, to work with. And it doesn't stop there. It's not like you buy a car, you drive the car for a couple of years, and you move on. Mobile technology is moving, is a moving target. It keeps changing. As 5G, um, and I'll mention why we're not going to get 5G allocation of spectrum for now in a few minutes, but why 5G, um, while 5G is now already a standard, pretty much it's available, it's growing, networks are happening, they're already working on the next generation, call it 5G+, plus, call it 6G, whatever it'll be, the mobile industry is working on the next evolution of mobile, and the networks themselves have to make sufficient profits to be able to afford to deliver these next generation networks on a continual basis. And the main guys in South Africa, being Vodacom and MTN, have done a spectacular job of doing just that. As I said, we were first with 3G, first with 4G. They trialed 5G, but 
couldn't do anything about it. And it is a noble idea to try to bring more and more players into the market. The problem really and very simply is that there's no ways to cut this pie up on an infrastructure level in the way that they anticipate. Now, again, good dinner table chatter about the pros and cons of a WOAN. Essentially, what they're trying to do is create a fourth network in the country, a fourth hardware network. They're going to allocate very high demand spectrum um, in all the frequency bands to this this uh, WOAN. And then they're going to ask all the players in the industry to pay for it, to build it, and to run it. And they will then, the government will then control at least 50% and will set the wholesale pricing and force the networks to buy capacity from this WOAN going forward. So they're going to say to Celsi and Vodacom, just spot the flaw in this little argument. They're going to say, Celsi, Vodacom, MTN, Telcom, whoever, please put lots of money into building more infrastructure, which you already have and already spending a ton of money, like 30 billion rand on. Um, we will own 50% of that, and we will tell you how much you can charge for the services that run on this WOAN. But even more importantly, you have to procure at least 30% of your capacity from this WOAN going forward. It is so complicated. It is so convoluted. And um, generally, the, the worst way to get anything done is to find a committee. And the other challenge will be that... The guys with the money, which are MTN, Vodacom, and maybe a couple of other big players, will be forced to take on board hundreds, tens, if not hundreds, of other small, teeny players as bit players in the industry who may or may not have money, who may or may not have expertise, and will be able to participate actively within the WOAN. Um, from a pure management point of view, I'm not sure how this is going to work. I'm not sure how it's going to play. But unfortunately, it is exactly the same sort of thing that creates all sorts of efficiencies and craziness anywhere else in any corporate arrangement and pretty much is what's happened in, in parastatals in South Africa. So I, am, I, for one, feel that this is a retrogressive step. It is going to create enormous confusion and delay. And here's where the delay comes in. The networks were hoping that a clear path to Spectrum would be would be announced by government. Well, they did. They actually asked ICASA to go out and do a pricing in the industry, try to figure out what the Spectrum would be worth should they allocate any of that Spectrum or when they allocate that Spectrum to the various networks. Now, ICASA has gone off and done precisely that. But in the usual course of government uh, work, this is going to take anything between six months, maybe a year. And here's the kicker in the tale. 5G spectrum has been reserved until the ITU confirms the standard finally for 5G. Now, the ITU is the International Telecommunications Union. They'll meeting sometime in the next couple of months. I can't remember the exact date. I think it's October. Um, and I think at that point, they will finally ratify the 5G standard like they did with the 4G standard. Now, it has been pre-ratified. It has been agreed. It has been rolled out. There, there are between 300 and 350 active or pre-active, about-to-go-live 5G installations globally. And the standard they're using is pre-ratified 5G, but it, it, it totally complies with the 3GPP road path or roadmap in terms of how this thing works. So it's basically like using beta software on your phone. It's not final. There may be a couple of tweaks here and there in terms of what it does, what it doesn't do, how it works on the devices, but all the hardware and all the software and all the Mobile devices and modems and various little chipsets have been created. So the standard may not be finally ratified, but it's out there. It's working. People know the spectrum they need. Globally, spectrum has been allocated to most of the major players in the industry. And 5G networks are full steam ahead. 2019 and 2020, it has going to be, I was told last night, in fact, it was mentioned last night, over 2 million people are using 5G devices globally right now. So to wait for the final ratification of the 5G standard before you start working out the allocation of the spectrum just absolutely makes no sense. And once again, entrenches a delay. So 
Unfortunately, as much as I was quite positive that we would see Spectrum this year being allocated to the various networks, it is now becoming more and more apparent that it's highly, highly unlikely that the networks will get any Spectrum this year and potentially only sometime next year an auction will go ahead and let's hope the costs are reasonable and make sense because, again, the whole kicker comes back. One, the networks, the existing incumbent networks, and I understand they're monopolies and I understand they're big, they will be forced to pay for additional spectrum in order to continue um, growing their networks and doing everything that we said they would do. They would have to pay, we don't know how much, for this additional spectrum to, to run faster and more powerful data networks. Obviously, if they pay a lot of money for a spectrum or for licensing fees or whatever the case may be, that money will be passed on as a cost to consumers. So the cost of data may not fall as fast as it should, simply because the government is extracting massive amounts of money out of the networks in order to, uh, you know, bolster their coffers. And the networks will, unfortunately, as any good business does, have to recover those costs over a period of time from its customers. And that means data may not fall as much as I anticipated. Secondly, the, the networks have to budget for the building of another network in the country, um, and that's got to be a, a countrywide network because it's going to be part of their license terms uh, with regard to new spectrum. And they're going to have to spend hundreds of millions of rands, if not billions of rands, on a brand new network over which they have no true control, over which they will be enforced, uh, a committee type setup will be enforced, and up to 400 license holders. Obviously, those license holders will have to go in and prove that they have the ability to uh you know, be involved in this industry, but that might cut them down to even 50. But even 10 license holders ultimately getting involved will mean that there are between 10 and 15 people around the table trying to extract maximum gain out of something they have no real control over because the government will then set the pricing uh, of that to the various uh, operators. So the only people who could actually use any capacity of a new network for now are the existing incumbents, and that capacity will be sold to them at a cost plus price to, to be determined by the government who have a spectacular track record of doing well with business. Take any SOE right now. All they seem to do is suck up our taxpayers' money and, um, you know, spend it on all sorts of interesting things. So, unfortunately, the news around Spectrum, about, around the whole data growth and pricing falls has been pretty much stymied by, I think, a really short-sighted, retrogressive spectrum allocation um, regime and policy. It's yet to pan out. ICASA are still in the process of trying to cost what spectrum would be, and they've been instructed to first allocate spectrum to the WOAN with some recommendations around that, the balance to be to be allocated to the various networks. And unfortunately, the wait continues, the delays continue, the pricing will not unfortunately change because the networks do not have currently the capacity to increase their speeds by much and to increase their capacity on the existing network by much. I still predict we will see a little bit more action around 5G towards the end of the year, towards the beginning of next year on current spectrum, but without additional spectrum, the networks really can't fully roll out any new technology and make anything more exciting. And on that note, I'm afraid we've run out of time, and uh, till next week, where we'll have more gadgets, gizmos, and news, this is Stephen Ambrose for Tech Talk on High FM.